to be here. Good to see each of you. God bless you. And thank you so much for praying for my wife and myself during some ordeals these last uh, uh, couple of years. It's been interesting for us. And uh, I can't uh, walk around like I used to. And uh, so you pray for me. But I've got news for you. I'm having the time of my life. You know, I, I tell you, I thank God for the privilege of being able to preach. And thank you so much, church, and Pastor Frank, for uh, letting me come here. I love this church, and I thank God for you and, and for cousin. And he's not really my cousin. I did a check on that family thing. We're not poor. My bloodline doesn't run with that bloodline. We had wealth. We had money from England. He's a poor pauper here. <laughs> but, uh, boy, it is good to be back in, into, into the fellowship here. And uh, you, you ministered to me. Your pastor called me. And sometimes he didn't know it. It was some of my lowest ebbs. I know why you come to the first service. You're not spiritual. You're not impressing me. You know that I got to quit at a certain time because Sunday school is coming on. And you know you, <laughs> now you're going to get out of here uh, at an appropriate time. Boy, don't tell that other crowd though because I'm going to give them the full load when, uh, you know, when they get here. Well, just one little verse. I, I preach expositorily. For 35 years, I pastored churches. And for 35 years, I just taught our people, verse by verse, the Word of God. 35 years, we taught doctrine, and we just went through the Bible. And uh, I still preach uh, expositorily. But the Lord has placed upon my heart these last couple of uh, months, a message that I can just share, not everywhere I go, because some people can't uh, receive it. It's those that I know and that uh, I know they love me and they put up with my shenanigans and, and let me keep coming back and I, I can say some things to them that's close to my heart. So this morning, I just want to open up my heart share with you what we personally, we meaning my dear wife and I, experienced in going from the mountaintop of exaltation down to the valley of humiliation. And it's quite a trip. And uh, permit me to just open up my heart and share with you what the Lord taught us. Never want to get too old that I stop learning. I'm an avid reader. I try to read one book every week or every two weeks, and uh, history and theology and and such, because I want to keep learning. But boy, the Lord has taught me something, cousin, these last couple of three years that um, has been interesting. Just one little phrase caught my eye. It's in Matthew 25. It's in 25 because Jesus is giving the Olivet Discourse. And uh, Sunday, on that Sunday, he had made his triumphant entry back into Jerusalem. They were waving palm leaves, hollering, Hosanna 
into the highest. On Monday, he went in and cleansed the temple, turned the tables over and ran the money changers out. On Tuesday, he delivered the three main discourses, uh, known as the Olivet Discourses. Wednesday, he retired and went back to Bethany. He loved Bethany and was resting there because the cross was looming in front of him. Thursday, he made his trip back into Jerusalem because there he had the Last Supper with the disciples. And then the beginning of uh, the arrest and uh, a series of about nine trials. Friday, he went to the cross. There the prince, red, royal blood of the divine Son of God was shed that you might know him and that I might know him, that cousin might know him, pastor might know him. He shed his blood that I might know him. Buddha couldn't do that. Muhammad can't do that. Religion can't do that. Baptist can't do that. Only the divine Son of God can do that. Amen. Oh, what a Savior. About three o'clock in the afternoon, the wind began to blow, and it became midnight at midday, and Jesus went home. Saturday, there were those who struggled with who he was. This is just in my humble but most accurate opinion. I believe he was marched back into glory. You know, not laying in some tomb. We've been to that tomb numbers of times and and given by Joseph of Arimathea. And uh, there Jesus was, uh, body was there, but I tell you his spirit was with the Lord in glory. He had a body like I'm going to have one day. See, I'm not going to be messing around like this forever. And... uh, then Jesus, uh, on, Monday, uh, on Sunday morning, I love Easter uh, because every Sunday is Easter to me. Up from the grave he arose. Amen. Mohammed didn't do that. Jesus did that. And Jesus was resurrected from the grave. But in the Olivet Discourse, there's a little phrase that had become more and more to meaning to me. And let me just read it for you. In 36, where he said, I was sick, and you visited me. I had, Brother Frank, been in ministry since I was 19 years old. I, let's see, I think next week sometime. Uh, I'm going to be... My goodness, I got a birthday, hadn't I? 24. What is the date today? It, well, let's just celebrate it right now, bless God. Take up an offering for our birthday here. Where are those ushers? Go get those ushers back in. We'll split it 50-50, man. Happy birthday. And uh, boy, remind Miss Long now, I got a birthday coming up. We want to do that thing right. And I'm going to be 81. I know that's shocking to you. How can somebody as good looking as I am? You know, but, but I'm hanging in there tough. But this little phrase now, cousin, has become more meaningful to me than ever. When it says I was sick 
and you visited me. Let me pray. Lord, take the word of God and use it. Magnify yourself in Christ's name. Amen. There was a Thursday morning at 9.30 on August the 18th, 1979. I was pastoring a great church. Our church had close to 3,000 members. Sunday morning we'd have 1,500 people sitting out there. And oh, it, these were, it was an interesting church and a, and a mission church. And giving the missions and going on missions like you're doing here. And you're doing here and pastor, you're leading them. Boy, I tell you, I had fun pastoring that church. And they just, uh, they just put up with me. I stayed there 20 years. Somebody said, Dr. Long, how in the world do you stay 20 years? I couldn't go nowhere else. That solves your problem. Nobody else wanted me, you know. Uh, but I got news for you. Nobody else wanted them either because they were a, they were a unique group, boy, I tell you. And oh my, what a time that uh, we had. But that Thursday morning, we were in one of our children's day camp programs. And we had program for kids all during the summertime when one of my secretaries came in and said to me, my personal secretary, and said, Dr. Long, there are two men got to see you. They're detectives. And uh, they, she showed them into my office. And uh, the detective said, Pastor, I regret to inform you there's been an accident. Your church bus has been in an, an accident. We know that two of the teenagers are dead. And there might be a third. You must come and identify them. And I grabbed a couple of staff members with me, Preston, and off to the hospital we went. I, 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 t- I tell you, everything was going so great in that week. But in a matter of a moment, it dramatically changed. My youth pastor, his daughter, was killed. A little boy that we had led to the Lord, my children's guy led to the Lord, coming from a Jehovah's Witness family. Ladies and gentlemen, I do not believe Jehovah's Witnesses are right. And I do not believe that their theology is right. I tell you, it is stinkingly wrong. And Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And praise his holy name. Now, that that's out of my system, uh, this little boy accepted Christ out of, as his Savior and was born again. Wanted to be baptized. I went to... The, See, his dad, and his dad said, no. He began to cry. I said, Daddy, I've been saved. Jesus in my heart, and I want to be baptized. Daddy, let him be baptized. And that little boy was one of those that was killed in the accident. Two days later, I preached two funerals. My youth pastor stayed in a comatose state for almost a year. And uh, we created a job for him. Most churches would have fired him. And I had some men in my church that wanted to fire him. And I said, no, sir, he's been called of the Holy Spirit of God. We called him. He never went without a salary check the whole time. And we did that. That was going to honor the Lord. Some folks said, well, you know, and the, and the banking business. Well, I'm not in the banking business. I'm in the ministry business. And folks, this is not... A business you got running here. I know you have to apply the principles. I know that. But folks, the Holy Spirit of God is going to need you to do some things that business doesn't necessarily do. And uh, it did for us. But I began to learn that in life, you can go from a mountaintop to a valley 
with a matter of a phone call. I began to learn in these last few years when I picked up a disease in Africa. And you've known about that now because it's been going on for quite a while, Brother Frank. It's the flesh-eating disease. And uh, I've had about six, at least five or six operations and the infection continued to get worse and worse and worse. Finally, a couple of few months ago, I heard this. We're going to have to take your foot off. Now, that just will not bless you because I need that. I, I know it's on the left. You see, the left gives me trouble. The left gives me trouble physiologically, religiously, politically. Boy, this left has caused me trouble. And, uh, but my doc said, listen, this thing gets in your blood system, you're going to die. And so, therefore, we, we're just going to have to do something. And uh, got my family together, and uh, so we were going to do the surgery. I have to get psyched up. It's like a football game. you got to get psyched, man. you got to get the juices going. And so I prayed. We, I had the juices going, Brother Frank. Let's go do it. That's what we need to do. Let's go do it. What I'll do, I'll get me one of those springs. Have you seen these guys run with a spring? You seen them? I could do that. I'll learn how to do that. Bless God, I'll run the Peachtree Road Race. I ran it five or six times and never did get the T-shirt. Oh, I got the T-shirt. I got it through the front door of my house and then my daughters grabbed it. I never did get to wear one, Preston. They were out roaming. You get to run the race? Yeah, yeah. No, my daddy ran the race. I just stole the T-shirt. Uh, but my, my, my. And then I get a call Friday afternoon, and on Friday afternoon, it's from one of the nurses with Dr. Wayne. She said, Dr. Long, you can't do the surgery Monday. I said, no, no, I'm psyched up now. I'm going to preach Sunday. I'm coming on in like we said. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, let's, let's do what we got to do. She said, no, you, you have a blood deficiency. Uh, you're anemic. I've never been anemic in my life. I'm a man, man. I'm a man's man. I could take you in a New York minute. I said, I'm not anemic. What do you know? Women get anemic. I don't get anemic. My wife would get anemic, not me. She said, Dr. Long, you are anemic and you're not going to get it. Put Wayne on the phone. Wayne said, uh, said uh, Doc, he's not going to talk to you. We're not doing it because we can't. Because if that disease spreads out, It'll kill you, and we're not going. She's she's a great nurse, and I've known them for years. And she said, "We're not going to kill you. Uh, if you're going to die, it's going to be another way. It's not going to be that foot." And uh, so I said, "Now, Dad, gone. That ain't the way to do it. I'm all set and ready to go, and I'm anemic. That means you got that got blood. Do you, do you understand? Do you know the meaning of that term?" All right, so then they go in and go to checking me out for everything. Well, what other disease have I got, Doc, and all this stuff? They had to give me blood. I've never had that done in my life. I'm sitting in there like a wimp. Give me some blood. (laughs) I'm anemic. Give me blood. Oh, my. Then we got that thing up. Then we said, all right, we can do it. I I have five doctors and. They're really terrific Christians. 
My heart doctor was there that Monday morning, and he sent me a message. He said, listen, I'm not supposed to be at the hospital. I want you to know I'm going to be there. So I said to my wife, am I going to die? Uh, tell me. I'm ready to go to heaven. I'm going to glory. But don't play games with me. My heart doctor is going to be there. I've been anemic. They give me blood. And are we sitting ready to go? We're ready to go. And they did the, they did the surgery and had to remove uh, part of my foot. I don't go to foot washing services. I don't wear flip-flops. See, I couldn't wear your shoes. I don't have the part down there that holds them on. You know, they just flop around. <laughs> well, here's what the Lord taught me. That the unexpected will change your life. And it can come in an unexpected and an unexpected way and in an unexpected manner. One phone call can change your life. One phone call will make a difference. One phone call will give you a new destiny. I wish I could go into more detail and and what had happened what had happened to us and what took place going into uh, moving me from the hospital into rehab. And uh, I've been to rehab. I uh, had to be there for a month and didn't stay for seven days. They wanted me to stay a month, and I'm not staying a month. I don't have a month to give them. Uh, that was an interesting experience with my wife and with the rehab and with my children. But I said, if you don't let me out, I'm going to slip out at night. I'm gone. Uh, I'll give you seven days. That's it. Now, don't follow me. If you folks, if you follow me, you're following the worst example on the planet Earth. They rolled me on one of those gurneys from the hospital into rehab. This young lady said to me, said, can you walk? Yes, ma'am, I can walk. You want to call some attention at a hospital? Fall. <laughs> I got off of that, I got off of that little thing, Preston, and all they heard was plop. <laughs> and, and you know the little things they put on you? Oh my, why we put people on the moon? Why can't we create something that will cover up the human body when you're in a hospital? <laughs> really? Why? I'm plopped down on the floor trying to grab that thing and nurses are coming in from every direction wondering to know what in the world happened. And all this one little lady would say, well, he told me he could walk. My secretary, Preston, my, my secretary, you know, Vanessa, and Frank, you know, Vanessa said, do not ask him any questions. He will lie to you when it comes to that kind of stuff. He really thinks he can walk, but look at it. The unexpected changes your life. Secondly, the unprepared, emotionally depression. Anxieties and defeatism. I wish I had time to develop that and share what the Lord taught us with the unpreparedness. But the unblemishedness of your faith. My faith has grown stronger. Brother I don't mean it arrogantly. I mean it humbly. But my faith has grown stronger. I remember pressing the first Sunday I couldn't preach. And I cried. 
Because I'm laying up there saying, I'm not supposed to be here, pal. I'd look at my watch. Well, they're taking the offering now. They're getting ready to introduce me now. I ought to be up there preaching now. And here I lay with one of these little skimpy things. I told my wife, you go get me something to wear. I'm not wearing this thing up here, displaying myself before the whole world. You go get me something and and, and a sheet or something. And uh, man, they took me down to rehab the next morning and put me on one of those machines. I kept looking around me. There were about 25 people around me. And I said, Preston, listen. I said, I, I said, listen. I got me a church. That 25 people going to be here tomorrow when I come in here. We having church. So I began to figure out how we did, how we were going to do it. Check with me. when you see Lisa. Check with her. So I said, when I got them in there, I want to sing. You know, I can't sing a lick. I'm the only one in my family can't sing. My daughter does solos, and my everybody sings except one. But I said, I'm going to sing in here. Here's what I did, brother. Frank. Twenty-five people in there, and I'm pedaling this machine. Uh, have them in the gyms and such. So I cut loose. I said, I prayed, Lord God, give me strength, give me strength, please, Lord. And then I cut loose. Amen. Great. Loud as I could. Well, you start doing that, people start looking at you. <laughs> they say, How sweet. And then I got to say, Come on. I had 25 people singing with me. Then we went to the old rugged cross. And then we went to the sweet by and by. And then when they got ready to roll me out, I said, no, I'm not ready to go yet now. Because I've got to preach a little bit. I didn't do all of this and not be able to preach. See, there's not going to be no preaching in heaven. But if we preachers don't get the job done, you singers are not going to have no singers up there either. So I told them about what Jesus had done. And I said, now be ready, we'll be back in here tomorrow. And for seven days, we had worship. The, lady, the guy who was leading the whole thing, he, this is what he said. He said, it was Friday, he said, I was leaving, said, my wife said, said to me, said, uh, well, what's your day going to be like? He said, well, I'm going back to church. She said, going back to church? said, yeah, there's some white guy in there. So this white guy just preaches and sings for the whole time. So he's got us all doing it in here now. And then he looked at his wife and said, I can't go to church Sunday. The faith, but secondly, your family. Folks, you're going to find it in your family with days that will just be wrapped around you. And you'll want to thank God for them. My dear wife never left me for a minute. I never spent one night by myself. And she was always there. My grandboy that's at the University of Tennessee is on football, athletic scholarship, plays uh, not soccer, rugby. It says to me, he picks up the phone, calls me. Now he's a piece of work. This is what he said. Hey, Paul! <laughs> hey, boy! He was a sophomore at Tennessee. He said, quitting is not in our vocabulary. Bam, down goes one. I taught him well. 
not going to quit. My family taught that, but then finally, my friends like these. Your phone calls, your notes, your letters would come in at just the right time. More people brought more food to our house. I'm faking sickness as soon as I get home. <laughs> Man, people bring food in when you do that. Church members, you know, I ate better then than I've eaten so. I hate I got well. But I understood who friends were. I'm not there now. I still am not uh, as I would like to be. I'd like to run again. I'd like to do things again. But thanks be to God, although a part of my foot is gone, the Lord still gives me the privilege to be able to stand up and say, take your Bibles, please, and turn with me. I don't know what he has for me. They won't let me go out of the country now. Uh, My doctors won't. I almost died in Vietnam. I've shared with you that story. Uh, When uh, the doctor said, if we don't do this surgery, he's going to die. And my wife said, well, if the Lord's going to take him, it's not going to be in here in Vietnam. I've had, these last couple of years has been a ride. They took me from the hospital in Vietnam to a hotel, covered me up on a, it was one of these little gurney things. And the first time I ever checked into a hospital as a dead man, they thought I was dead. <laughs> I said, well, don't pay him, but for one of you, dead man not going to eat nothing. Dead man not, I'm not going to use no towels or anything. It's been, a, <laughs> it's been an interesting ride. But let me conclude with this. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I know that one day he's going to take me on home to glory. I know that. I know that. The Bible says it's a point where the man wants to die. And I know that. But until then, I want these guys to continue to help pick me up, cheer me up, hold me up, and let me preach until he comes for me. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged and don't let one phone call change your life forever. Father, we thank you. And I realize this morning that I'm speaking to some, some who have had challenges, some who have had uh, interruptions into their lives, some who got a phone call late at night, some who heard a doctor say there is no hope. Oh, blessed Lord, when you go from the mountaintop to the valley, Father, remind us, remind me every day I live. As I walk through the valley, you were with me there just as you were on the mountaintop. Lord, for the discouragement and the disappointments, not able to do some of the things we had had hoped to do. Lord God, encourage our hearts. 
Strengthen us by your Spirit. And let us serve you and stand for you and preach and sing and teach until you come forth. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I know this morning in this congregation, I would have to assume some of you have people who are sick, some who are very, very deathly ill and are there seemingly no, no hope. You know, I believe the church ought to be the one place you ought to pray for them. Now, certainly at home and everything, but you know, sometimes the church is the last place we let people know. You might want to come this morning and just kneel here at this altar and pray for those who are going through difficulties, those in your family that are struggling. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, how in this world you go through the valley, I shall never know. Because with Christ in your life, you don't go through alone. We're going to sing in a moment, and I trust you'll just come and might want to pray with one of these pastors and just turn it over to the Lord. Father, now meet us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.